When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Success Story. I'm your host, Scott Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot podcast network. HubSpot has been a huge supporter of the show. They have so many tools that can help your business. The one that I want to just mention today, so you go check it out, is their new AI chatbot. It's called Campaign Assistant. HubSpot's Campaign Assistant is a game changer for creating marketing campaigns at scale. It turns your key selling points into a cohesive pitch, which helps you deliver knockout emails, ads, and landing pages in minutes. Just choose your content type, input a few keywords, key points, pick a tone like friendly or witty, and let the AI robots handle the rest. You can copy and paste the content to whatever channel you'd like, or even convert it directly into publishable campaigns without leaving your HubSpot interface. So let Campaign Assistant take care of the campaigns so you can get back to growing your business. Work smarter, not harder at HubSpot.com slash campaign dash assistant. So my inflection point, and I love the word because I think every one has this tipping point. And for me, my tipping point was when I gave up <laughs> and when I completely surrendered. I always thought that I could do more. I wanted to be a straight A student. I wanted to push and push and push. And I ended up getting pregnant in college. And um, I was such a high achiever. And I lived at the time, I was, I was going, trying to get my master's degree. I had my baby. I was trying to work, trying to go to school. I'll just never forget this experience where I was walking up the steps in my apartment with a jug of water in my hand, holding the baby in the other hand. And I just literally laid down in the stairwell with a brand new baby. And I just said, I am doing everything I can, but I'm just done. And so when I sat there, I cried and I looked at the baby and he, in the middle of this darkness, looked at me and said, peekaboo. <laughs> the baby's looking at you like, you can't give up. Peekaboo. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing. Something came over me where I just picked up the jugs. I picked up the water. I went upstairs and I decided to have a beautiful night. I danced. I held my baby and I had this sense that everything was going to be okay. What's interesting about that is the next day I had this idea 
of some things I could do to impact the world. Maybe I could, you know, talk to people. I started thinking about my talents. I started just really tapping into what it is that I want to be in the world. Forget about the money for a minute. Forget about the stress, which I had a lot of it, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but how can I tap into that greater purpose? And at that point, that actually led to in 30 days, I had my first big contract that came along with a high-rise apartment. <laughs> Um, and so it was the beginning of launching a new identity and a new brand. And my life has literally never been the same from that moment. What do you think yeah. caused you to have in that? Was it the, was it having this, this child, having a baby? That's like what lit the spark because yes. a lot of people, not, not everybody has the, the stress of having a child in college, yes. but you know, you go through college and, and then life isn't what you thought it was going to be. And then that feeling, instead of happening all at once, yes. happens over years. Yes. yes. And then there's never a spark and there's never fire. And then people find themselves 20, 30 years later yes. in a job that they hate. Yes. So what do you think? Was it the... I have to care for this life? Like, is that? Yes. So it's, it. yes. And let me turn this into a little bit of a business strategy. So many of us are extremely self-centered, which can be okay. We're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about what we need. We're thinking about, you know, what it is that we need to, to offer. For me in that moment, it was the peekaboo moment. The peekaboo was, wow, this is not necessarily about me tapping into the greatness inside of me, but it's seeing the greatness outside of me. It's seeing who's depending on me. It's seeing um, what I can give to the world. And so I think sometimes our self-centeredness and our ego, it creates this uh, wonderful cocktail, <laughs> right, of anxiety and of stress. And we internalize all of these weird things. Like we want approval from people. We want, you know, to to accomplish something because our parents want us to, or we have a spouse. And so it's more like, no, how can I be of service? How can I help? And so to me, that's almost a cure. If you're in a situation where you're feeling anxious and stress, how can I be of service? It's really interesting because for many of us know in addiction therapy, right? The 12 steps, the final step is that you have to give it away. And so people that don't get to that step, they don't give away all of they, that they have, that's where they fail. And so I get up every day and it's all about giving it away, <laughs> giving it all away. Yeah. What was the first, so this, this first job that contract job, yeah. I don't know how to phrase it, phrase it, but what was, was that your first version of entrepreneurship? Yes, it was my first version. I actually ran into uh, a mentor at a party and they, it was interesting. We had this conversation. They thought that I was really smart and they planted a seed in my mind mm -hmm. of, Hey, I have some ideas of something you could do. I have, um, I actually have a need for this and it happened to be an attorney as well. And so he actually set up the first version of my company that is it's, it's gone through iterations. Our, our new branded version happened in 2015, Kusai Global, K-U-S-I. Um, but it was it was the first idea of, wow, there is a different path and, and there's other things that are possible. I think sometimes this is my most fascinating thing, Scott, about life is we we get, we come on this earth, we're raised, we have experiences, and then we decide to do something, right? So for example, you might decide to become a woodworker, or maybe you're a VP of an organization. And we kind of think that what we've been doing, we have to continue to do. 
and we limit our options. And so I have made it a process in my life to expand my options. And so at the time, I saw myself as a single mom that was going through school. You know, I, I was going to be a therapist, which I did for a little bit. Um, but there's the options are endless, right? The possibilities are endless. But I had to surrender first and kind of give up just a little bit in order to make way for those possibilities. So. Because you like accept this reinvention of yourself into yes. your life, into your soul. But I think where people get hung up on this, and, and listen, this is from a, a layman's point of view. I'm just yeah. talking, I'm just talking from like talking to people. You probably yeah. have studied this extensively Please, to yeah. a degree. So I'm very curious. But when people try and when people think about reinventing themselves, they feel like they have to like leave everything they were in the, in the past, which I think is incorrect. Mm -hmm. I think that that compounds and adds onto the new version of yourself. And this is, it sounds like a little bit like, like maybe esoteric, very tactically, like when you're trying to switch jobs mid career and you mm -hmm. aren't happy with what you're doing. So even listening to podcasts that you're on before, you spoke a lot about the anxiety of pivoting and the anxiety of like changing and evolving. Right. Business leaders, people, entrepreneurs, people that are just just in jobs in air quotes, right? Because obviously that's difficult as well. But people don't want to change because it's very scary because they feel like they have to like reinvent who they are. But you you've sort of taken all the things. This is sort of like a thread that I'm starting to notice. You've taken the things that you've accomplished and you you reinvent yourself in the way that you you start to actually do something different or you focus on something new. But you're not like pushing that away. It's like compounding into who you are. Yes. So there's a difference between contemplation and action. So one thing that I ask people that I work with, organizations, allow yourself the joy of contemplation. So think about different things that you may want to do. See how it feels. Try it on. You know, get, get a piece of paper out and start jotting it down. It does not mean that tomorrow you're pressured. No one is, you know, forcing you to quit your job and start something. People put unnecessary stress. It's, can I take some time to contemplate? I like to call this, this concept we're talking about, about pivoting and about expansion. It's like the fifth movement in a symphony, right? So it's that moment where you've had these experiences, or you can call it the slumdog millionaire moment, but that movie can be dark. But <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to use the symphony, right? Yeah. Where all of your talents, all of your skills, all of your experiences play beautifully together. And if you can imagine this image of just sitting back and just watching it play, and you've got these different instruments... So for me, an instrument was my struggles have been my greatest gift, right? Because of the compassion, because of the self-compassion and compassion for others. Also the gift of being a trained therapist. You can imagine in the work that I do mm -hmm. it, as executive leadership strategist, that has been so important. I have a father that was illiterate for most of his life, and I had to support him at eight years old in reading contracts. Can you tell that story quickly? Because that's, that's a wild story yeah. as well. Yeah. So... When I was eight years old, my, my father I was about eight. I was young. He actually opened up the Mirage Hotel and Casino, and he could not really read the contracts. And so I was responsible for helping him. I thought he was mentoring me or trying to teach me, but I would help him navigate pretty high-level contracts. And he would kind of be like, whatever my daughter says is what we're going to do, right? He can't read the contract. He couldn't read the contract. I didn't wow. find that out until I was in my 30s, literally. I, did, I didn't know until later on in life. But you can imagine the level of sophistication. No kidding. Hanging out with my father, I became... 
a little fearless. You know, like eight, eight year old yeah. little girl talking to, you yeah. know, I don't know, a 50, 60 year old businessman. And they're, they're looking at him like this guy has no fear yeah. at all either because they're saying he's just right. trusting his daughter to make decisions. Well, and on his yeah. side, it made him extremely interesting. Yeah. It made me extremely interesting. People were entertained. You know, business can get a little boring. I don't mm -hmm. know why everyone's so serious. Like, yeah. chill out. Have a good time. <laughs> For real, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know a lot of money's at stake. I know things are hard and, and life Still is Still humans rough. dealing with humans. But it's it. humans yeah. dealing with humans. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everything can feel like like a beach, the, yeah. the real beach. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't yeah. a play on words. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like just being able to 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 have that experience, I grew so much from it. But it also made him kind of iconic and interesting about the way he trusted yeah. his daughter and 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 the, the way that he experienced it. So, um, and that was probably hard for him too. That's another. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other lesson in and of itself. Being yes. being able to humble yourself to the point where you can yes. allow that into your life, right? So, yeah. so let's let's sort of walk through. Um, let's walk through uh, your 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 entrepreneurial journey because you said 2015 was yeah. the the current version or iteration mm -hmm. of of what you've built. But yes, that's fifth. How many years? 15 years. Of of just trying and testing and pivoting yes, and yes and that's not that's it's a long time right so what time. was that version like because again this is sort of like showing the evolution of of who you are what you're building yes. what you're working on yes so I I think your audience definitely knows about owning a job right? <laughs> yeah versus owning a business system yeah. right so the first several years what and I held other jobs as well but I was officially starting as an entrepreneur but I would have gigs mm -hmm. right I would do a lot of speaking gigs I would take on positions I um would begin to build stuff and and I was able to sell that stuff meaning content and and speaking experiences I did a bunch of keynotes uh, and so I was kind of learning and expanding and finding my way, uh, and successfully so. At some point during that journey, I was able to let go of anything that was a quote-unquote job, job, right? Yeah. And then I was officially kind of a, a one-woman show doing a lot of different things. Um, in 2015, I, I went through another kind of financial lesson. I had to figure out a business model. So one thing I learned, which all business people that are entrepreneurs probably know this, it's not the money that you make, but it's the cash flow. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So I was getting huge contracts, but I would get that one contract. But at the end of the year, it was it wasn't that much money because yeah. it's all I made for the yeah. entire year. And then you know we would have invoices that weren't getting paid. So taxes, a tax. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, the tax thing. Let's not even get. So there's like this journey has all these different things. Um, Oh boy, lessons learned, lessons learned. And I tried to consult people and do, but some of these lessons, you just learn it, right? Yeah. Wasted a lot of money, invested in things that didn't really go like I thought they would. Yeah. But the I, I considered it to be 15 years of MBA business school. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like invested in more, learning. more than you'll ever get yes. out of an actual MBA. To exactly, be quite honest. exactly. Yeah. So um, in 2015, I had to change the business model, and it was less about the one-offs and more about long-term relationships, long-term conscious connections, mm -hmm. right? And the power of those connections with the relationships with my clients. So I branded an actual system that we call a human optimization system, and that's what Kusai is. It, the name of our company. It stands for knowledge, understanding, strategy, and implementation. Okay. So we use that system with clients. And then we just literally changed the business model and that turned everything around. What is that? So so that system, what does it achieve in a company? Yes. So if you can imagine, um, it's it's a system that our employees follow. So first thing you need to do is know, know your client, understand them, create yeah. a strategy, implement. 
for companies, it's a very quick way if we're doing a strategy meeting, if we're figuring out what the best solution is a problem, you go in, what do you know? What do you understand? That's a big distinction. You've got to understand, not just know. A lot of people stop at what they know. Um, and we ask the other question, what don't you know? What don't you understand? And then what's the strategy to either move forward or to get more knowledge and more understanding so you can have a strategy that you feel like you can implement with more confidence? Understood. So you can imagine that's super simple, yeah. four things. But, you know, I've been in big organizations and we just pull it out, KUSI, and yeah. it is magic. It's absolute magic. It's it's like not to make it seem less than it is, but it's like a corporate version of active listening. Yes. That is probably the best way to equate it to what yeah. you should probably doing in your personal life anyways and most people don't yes. but in corporations i mean there's like egos there's power dynamics there's all these yes. things that really screw with one person understanding what another person is actually trying to say and then you add on all the jargon and you add on like there's unlimited things that mess with communication in corporations right so this is something that you've sort of built out over your career you understand it works well probably because of your your background and your education, right? So you actually understand, and this is actually probably what dovetails into the book you wrote about communication. Um, and and like, let's just for, we'll talk about tons of stuff in the book, but uh, give some lessons to people that are in corporations just on how to implement this very briefly. Cause I know this is not gonna be a podcast just about that particular framework, but I do wanna give like some very tactical things. So you go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So this goes way beyond just active listening. Active listening is kind of your listening and you're taking. Yeah, it that's in. a total yeah. bastardization of yeah. what no you're worries, doing. No worries. <laughs> uh, but what it really is is coming up with the key questions, right? That you just asking the question activates innovation and creativity. So critical thinking is asking what is. Creative mm -hmm. thinking is just asking what are the possibilities, yeah. right? And so when you when you Deepen your questions. If I were an organization, I would spend time really figuring out what questions we absolutely need to know the answer to. And from there, Understood. that's when you begin to get your knowledge and listen and and actively figure out who who is speaking. Right. So that that's important. Um, in terms of implementation, and and again, I, I'm going to simplify this. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> um, the thing that we have to balance in organizations is our confidence. So we are living in a world where the predictability of the future is zilch, yeah. <laughs> right? There are so many things that we are trying to do. So we have to invest in better prototyping. So as opposed to sitting in a room. What does that mean? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, sorry. I'll unpack that. Go no, ahead, it's great. So instead of sitting in a room and talking for so long and getting nervous about, will this work? Will this not work? What is the, in, in entrepreneurship, the minimally viable Product. implementation yeah. strategy, yeah. right? Right. And and then people need to get granular. So, for example, sometimes implementation isn't this big thing. It's telling, you know, I don't know, Jeffrey, who's the admin to send an email to set up the next meeting so we can collect certain data. But it's like that's your implementation. Mm -hmm. Make those small, quick steps immediately and figure out a low risk way to prototype test your assumptions. And that's the only way to really kind of continue to incrementally move forward as opposed to trying to get it so perfect and trying to get it so right. So where, where do where do companies fail most often in this process? I think companies fail most often as they minimize the impact of the little things that seem unmeasurable. For example, there are people in rooms that aren't heard. Mm -hmm. There are innovations that are happening and ideas that are happening that aren't collected. 
the culture of the organization, whether or not, you know, people are getting along and, and, and feeling like their brains are working high, that makes a difference. So a lot of business people that I talk to, they are very focused on strategy and numbers and what do we need to do? And they have their pens out and it's fine. But typically a lot of organizations fail with the little things. They lose their executive team member or just to somewhere else. They um, miss a really viable aspect of their customer base that they just miss because they weren't in tuned. They're so busy in the boardroom. They're not out in the world figuring out what customers and what people need. They're not connecting. Right. So um, underestimating those little things is where I think is the failure. It's interesting because all those things you mentioned are things that an entrepreneur and a startup has to do to become successful. Mm. So they have to pay attention to those little things yes. to some degree. But then as a company scales, it, it becomes this huge machine, this behemoth that yes. doesn't account for all this and then layoffs and the people were laid off, their their duties were never replaced. And okay. it's just this, this big thing that doesn't get fixed properly and it just grows and grows and grows. Fine, but imagine the growth if you adopt a framework that really pays attention to the things that matter. Yes, yes. And I'm going to just add one more thing to that. So let's take a situation where you have massive layoffs, you have to let people go, you have to cut budgets. Um, Sometimes we try to fix that problem. That problem may be difficult to fix immediately, but you can fix the way that you manage the people that are still there, how you treat the people that are leaving. There are some things that you can do to create a culture and an environment that will sort of, I won't say a temporary fix, but they matter more than I think a lot of people want them to matter, mm-hmm. right? And the way that you respond and react to these challenges, particularly with people and connections, is game changer. Um, so there's there's some other interesting things you just alluded to, because you spoke about the, the, the culture of an organization. You spoke about um, some people not having a proper seat at the table. Mm-hmm. I think that when you build a strong organization, everybody's opinion has to matter and you have to build, I think even purposeful feedback loops within your own organization to get sort of a sense of what's happening. And the best organizations do that very well. And the, the businesses that do get disrupted, don't listen to the people in the own, in, in their own, in their own company. Um, but I, again, listening to a podcast and you brought a, 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 an additional angle to it. So the angle that I've always sort of thought of is the psychologically safe place for people to voice their opinions and whatnot. But then you added on another component, which is like the DE&I, where, and and I want you to sort of unpack how DE&I plays into this lack of communication, lack of ability to raise a hand and share an idea. Because I don't think a lot of people think of DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion, as anything more than we have to hire the right people. I think that's where people's minds immediately go. We have to hire so many people that are this and that are that and that are this and that are that and that we have this good mix and it's not just all old white guys on the C-suite and like that's our DE&I strategy. That's not what you were speaking about in one of these podcasts because you were saying basically how do you convince people that DE&I matters after the people are hired? right, within the organization. I think that's a very interesting point because now we're not just talking about, we're not just talking about, you know, putting certain people in, in certain roles to fill a quota. That's not really what this is supposed to be about. There's a cultural play that actually makes a company stronger, which I think is massively under-discussed. 
And I don't really know why, because if I was trying to help people understand the importance of having a diverse workforce, I would tie it back to the performance of the company immediately. That's That just makes common sense to me. But I think that conversation is lost a lot. And then it just turns into an HR job or an HR task, which is also, well, that's how you start, but that's not how you finish. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's, it's, it's an interesting word. I think sometimes it's now becoming something that people are checking off the list. There was a, mm. a time, you know, just definitely just a year or so ago where uh, people are constantly being pushed by the pressures of society and social things that are going on. And companies are uh, feeling a lot of anxiety about making sure that they're doing all of this stuff right. And so yeah. DEI, and now we have accessibility and belonging, DEIA, DEIAB, right? We have all of these different things that are very critical to the people and culture. What I would love for organizations to do if we could shift from being pushed by stress to being pulled by purpose, mm -hmm. right? And so if I were at the head of your company, I'd be thinking about my people and culture strategy from the lens of, I want to become a legend. I want to build a legacy. I want to have a company that's aligned with my core va with our core values that we've developed. Everyone's core values, you can pop it. You can give me any of them. Yeah. You can't there are no core values that you'd be able to pop in and share with me right now that I wouldn't say, "Okay, there's your there's your diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging or accessibility yeah. effort." Um it really is a path to aligning with values. So that means that you're speaking in front of people, you're saying this is what my company is about, and you don't want to be a liar. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so what, the, right? So it's yeah. like you, 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 you want to go to bed at night. I actually yeah. talked to, um, I can't give the exact details, but I talked to a very, very high level leader that I was privy to some information behind the scenes about pay equity. Mm -hmm. And in this particular situation, there was uh, some, a, a diverse candidate that was getting paid. It was like ridiculous, 60% less. That's, a, that's, I mean, it was unbelievable, but this person was super excited about yeah. working with this company. And so, um, I said to this leader, cause I was the, just, the company was taking advantage of the excitement. Yeah, they were they they said, well, here, here's what was said to me by this particular leader. Yeah. It's their job to negotiate. We it's our job to try to save money. Right. And so the question that I had to this person, A, does this align with your values? And B, it's the ethics test. If this is on the front page and yeah. you, you saw this disparity, how would you feel? And then I asked the question, imagine this is your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you discovered just you were, you know, I don't know, sitting at, at golf. And you discovered that this disparity was there and, and the, the CEO was kind of flippant about it. Like, yeah. hey, we got this person for a very low, low yeah. rate. And he made a different decision, right? Made a real different decision because of, of that, that experience. Um, so I'd like for people to just expand. I'm hoping that companies start to be pulled by the purpose of creating something that's, that's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, many of you may have already read the McKinsey report called diversity, why diversity matters. And mm -hmm. they're showing that companies that are really rocking in the diversity space, diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging, they're 40% more profitable. And this was done finance and tech and health. Mm -hmm. 40% more Because profitable. you bring all these ideas to the yes. table that aren't the same as the next person. Yes. And it make, like it makes sense. Like if you want to be the strongest company, you have to have as many possible ideas and yes. data points as you possibly can. Absolutely. Different from, from not only just different types of uh, like different types of professionals, but like different backgrounds, different yes. cult, like everything helps. But you can tell that companies don't take it seriously because you look at boards of companies outside of North America yeah. and there is like 
zero diversity. And companies that do make, a, again, quote unquote effort in North America, and they have a board in North America, or C I'm just saying like, these are the people that make the most decisions. So it, it matters what your C-suite looks like. But if, it, if they have a diverse C-suite in North America, in every other part of the world, it, they haven't even touched it. Yeah. So obviously it's not, a, a, they want, they're, they're understanding the benefits. It's they're checking off a box, right? Yeah, and I think too, for companies, what you've been doing in the past may not be the thing that skyrockets you to the future, right? Our world is evolving, things mm -hmm. are changing. And consumers so actually care. Consumers care. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are a lot of shifts that are happening. And, you know, companies definitely want to invest in how do we stay connected to those shifts and typically diversity. And it's around a variety of different things, including age, mm -hmm. right? Um, I also do want to note that despite how bleak things can still look at times, there's also huge wins. I mean, there are people that are, there are organizations, big organizations that are making massive progress um, in diversity, investing a ton of money in trying to improve the way they treat people in general, trying to improve mm -hmm. equity, trying to in improve all different aspects of the organization. So um, I just want to give a shout out to so many yeah. organizations that are doing we do, so we do. well. It's, it's easy yeah. to talk about the negative. Yes. It's too easy to talk about the yes. negative. That's a good point. And I, I also believe that, I mean, you look at the companies that are making more of an effort, they're the companies that are growing the fastest. Those are the companies that are the most forward thinking. Those yes. are the companies that are, I mean, a lot of tech companies that are, are are really, really doing quite well. I think the issue lies in the companies that, you know, have been around for decades, right? Decades yes. and decades and decades. But yes, you're right. A lot of companies have made good efforts, but I think it's important to just make sure that those companies understand why they're making their efforts. And it's yes. not just for the, well, is it a trending topic right now? Because if it's a trending topic right now, it doesn't have any longevity to it. I mean, I've spoken, this is an issue that, because I come from an entrepreneurial background and and I always I always look at, I've interviewed a few different like underrepresented founders and even like VC firms that focus on like minorities and whatnot. And it's very sad because you see a peak in funding for uh, underrepresented minority founder companies. You see a peak in funding right through, you know, 2021 or whatever it was. And then it just drops. It just drops, it just drops yeah. immediately because it's no longer a trending topic. VC firms, private equity firms are no longer getting pushed. There's no more social pressure. So people always have to do it for the right reason or it, it does have, doesn't have any longevity to it, which is yes. concerning. Yes, that's, that's, it, it is. You know, yeah. it, it is. And again, if, if organizations continue, can continue, continue to be yeah. pulled by by their purpose and their values and the things that they think are really important, I think um, everybody wins. There is there is a scenario in which, you know, profit can be high. We can mm -hmm. have the best best talent. We can have a diverse organization. Companies have done it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's just the resistance. Yeah. Um, and so. You, I, I, some of the some of the work that you've done in the past has been on DE and I, but I'm very curious as to how you uh, sort of took lessons from working in that space for a period of time, and then it sort of led to what you're working on right now, which is communication. So conscious communication, um, because I'm sure there's some threads from conversations you've had about DE and I, psychological safety in the workplace. Um, all the different sort of leadership lessons that you teach over to organizations and then how that's led you to actually focusing on communication and, and that you have like a framework for communication now. And that's just not just 
between companies, it's more interpersonal. Yes. So let let me just track back a, a yeah. little bit. So our company is we say the DEIA space because it's a it's a hot word, right? Mm-hmm. And however, it's culture transformation. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Today's show is brought to you by 1Password. Now listen, we all have that one friend who's constantly forgetting passwords and needing help to get into their accounts. I have a solution. It's called 1Password. 1Password is the award-winning password manager trusted by millions of users and companies like IBM and Slack to keep logins, credit cards, and other private info safe in an encrypted vault that only you can access. No more sticky notes with passwords or using the same password everywhere. I've been using 1Password for a year now, and I can't recommend it enough. It saves me time from having to reset passwords and gives me peace of mind knowing my info is secure. With convenient features like automatic password generation and login autofill, 1Password takes the hassle out of passwords. You can use it on all your devices, iOS, Android, Mac, PC. Everything syncs seamlessly. And with top-notch security audits and encryption, your data stays private. So do yourself a favor and check out 1Password today. Go to onepassword.com slash Clary and get a two-week free trial. Let 1Password remember all of your logins for you so you can remember what really matters. That's onepassword.com slash Clary for two weeks free. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Um, we do strategic plans, communication plans, and we do mass training. One of our big uh trainings that we do is called Conscious Equity. So mm-hmm. it's a two and a half hour virtual training. We've also done it live. Um, we've trained 
thousands and thousands of executives on how to um, how to get really sharp about making decisions when they don't know what to do, right? And how to deal with all the complexity that is in the, the, the social, political, the organizational space that diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility reside, right? Really important. So culture transformation is what we are about at Kusai. We're on a mission, and that is to improve the condition of humanity one skill at a time. I do truly believe that when we know better, as Maya Angelou has said, we do better. Mm-hmm. Right? And so being able to know and understand better, right, we can do better. So the book that I have written, it's called The Power of Conscious Connection. And there are four habits um, to transform the way you live and lead. So these four habits have taken, if you can imagine 10,000 hours of leadership training, if you can imagine reading every leader from Mandela to, I don't know, Alexander the Great, reading all these books, I have spent my life, I'm a reader, there's probably 223 books a year. Um, I'm constantly reading. I wish I could show you a picture of my bedside, right? I love reading. Uh, I always have. And all of the books have all these stories and there's so much information to take in. And I have had the luxury, I feel just like the blessing of being able to invest that much time. I yeah. realize people don't have that much time. And so similar to what we did with KUSAI, that stands for Knowledge, Understanding, Strategy, Implementation, I turned all of my life experiences and my leadership experiences, all those hours of reading and time that I spent at Harvard and all these different things into four simple things that we can do on a daily basis that can change everything. And this is also something that is connected to what you were just sharing about how companies are pushed, yeah. right? And then we see like this, this lacks. So the four habits require us to, and and before I give you the four habits, it's the conscious connection is not necessarily communication. That's what I was actually piece. just going to say, I totally misspoke because I was, I had communication in my head yes. again and again and again, but connection is so much more. Yes. And connection, this is about being conscious. So aware of what's going on in the world and what's going on around you and connected to your power to change it. So within that, it is about connecting with each other, mm-hmm. but it's really about being so present in the world that you tap into this goodness in you and this power in you of where you can influence and impact change. The reason I want to quickly, before I give you the habits, track that back to what you were saying is that it is a daunting thing to see you know, change happen and mm-hmm. then change go flat. I know a lot of people in organizations are exhausted by trying to push and push and push and then things just go flat. Priorities change on a regular basis. The, the goal here is to be conscious of what's happening so that you can develop a strategy to tap into your power to influence that change. And so the more people that can do this, not only do you become the sharpest, smartest person in the room, which mm-hmm. just can be fun, um, but you become this highly intelligent, strategic person that is the, I will, I promise you, this is a promise. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm here for it. <laughs> if you can master these habits, I'm about to tell you, you will be the sharpest person on your team, whether you're at the CEO level as an entrepreneur, but that the sharpness that you will get will, uh, nobody will be able to kind of live in your light. Yeah. But the goal is to get everybody to do it so that we have more light together, right? So it's, so this it's is a massive amount of self-awareness it's, that it's, we're focusing on. Well, that's one piece. Let one, me give okay. you the habits. Oh, okay. So, okay. So the, okay. The I don't, habits. Don't yeah. take away from this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what self-awareness are, is, is important, but yes. that's kind of an internal thing that's that's great to do. And, and it's also, 
I know people talk a lot about self-awareness. It's it's good, but it, you only want to look at your self-awareness to the extent that it's going to help you do something. <laughs> Of course, right? yeah. Right? So some people like they kind of say, "Yes, I'm, I'm rude." Yeah, <laughs> maybe like, the self awareness exactly. is like there, but they're not, they're not doing anything good exactly. with it. Yeah. So it's like today, can if you, you know you're an asshole, it's not right. helping if anyone. If you're a jerk, can yeah. you just say something nice, like right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so let's so go. Here are the habits, right? Okay. So it's listen. So listening goes far beyond just what we think about active listening. It's being able to tap into your intuition and listening to what's going on in yourself. But Mm -hmm. it's also giving the world a gift of your listening attention. And what that is, is for you to be able to come out of your mind and really listen with this clean slate in your mind, right? So really be able to take in everything that someone is saying um, without any plans, around it, right? No plans around it. Listening is actually connected to your mental health. So if you are spending too much time in your head, um, if you notice my, my uncle, he suffers from schizophrenia. And so the final step of is when you hear voices in your head and you're trapped and you can't connect with other people. And so really? listening is not only a strategy for um, being more strategic and understanding things, listening is also a strategy to keep you well, <laughs> right? Uh, Your mind must take in. It's the only portal to wisdom. So many people, they enter experiences where they just want to, they want to be heard so badly, that they forget that they are accessing this amazing magical portal of wisdom where you get to take in so much information and so much stuff to help you strategize Mm -hmm. your life. It's, It's magical. So listen, it's the first habit. The second habit is observe. So observation is this opportunity for you to be completely and totally present in the world. And it's connected to a skill called systems thinking. So you're not just observing stuff, right? I'm not just saying, oh, Scott, you're a great looking guy, right? It's just not. But I'm observing the connections, right? So uh, I'm observing you have such a connectedness in your eyes, Mm. right? I'm looking at the world and I'm seeing how, you know, how is this ocean view connected to a business strategy? I don't know. How, as I'm looking at, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of biomimicry, so you can look at a bird. If you look at a bird, how how could human beings create flight from the observation of a bird? You have to really observe the bird and the wings and the shape. And so how do we use that same intense connectedness, mm-hmm. right, in order to to expand how we think. So if you go to, I'd like to give everyone a challenge. Next time there are any team meeting, I want you just to pause and really look at things. Listen to what people are saying, observe, and and just, just really pay attention like never before. We are in a world where people are so distracted that by just listening and observing, the edge is going to be just exponential <laughs> because so many people have completely stopped listening and they're not observing because they're stuck on their phone, stuck in email, or they're worried about what they're having for dinner. And so the presence is important. And then two other skills. So th- by the way, this, these habits make up the word love, L-O-V-E. Good. Um, <laughs> Very that good. was on accident. Really? Yes. That, that was not. At first, it was made into this word like olive. And then my young son said, that spells the word love. Oh, that's very funny. Totally on accident. That's very, Isn't that very amazing? funny. That's good. I don't know if it's on accident. but Okay, so two more habits. So value. So value is aligning with your values. So that means allowing what's important to you drive your choices, right? And I, I say make bold decisions about your values. Um If you're in an organization and you see something that doesn't sit well with you, you speak up, make some choices around that, strategically speak up, right? Mm. Find find a way where you think they can hear you if you want to be a champion for change. Um, 
align with who you are, what, what your identity is. There, there's this movement in the world, and Brene Brown talks about it, about being authentic. Mm -hmm. And I love the movement about being authentic. The only caveat I have to say about authenticity is that I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out who they are without kind of their trauma and different things going on. And so who we are, I think our authenticity is when we sit in those quiet moments and we say, what's important to me? And then after you decide what's important to you, do you make choices aligned with who you really are, which is like, what, what is important to you? Like, I love people, right? And, and I love connecting with people and I love goodness. And so I make a lot of business decisions based on that, that inner knowing that when you're good to people, that things will work out. Mm -hmm. right? And then the last strategy, which is aligned finally, what you've been waiting for, connection, is engagement. So engagement is this ability to master asking critical questions and even having small talk. So, you know, Scott, we might talk about what's important for you in the world. What are your values? Mm -hmm. um, it, what do you see as a couple of ways that you think you want to be in this world, right? So I love talking about the weather. I love talking about sports. Don't know as much about sports as I'd like to, but um, I use sports analogies all the time in my company and they wish I would stop because, because they, they, don't, not, make any they sense. don't make any sense, but I refuse. I will use them until the end of time because they're so, sports are so great. They I just, are good I just, for analogies. My, 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 I think they're better if they don't make sense. Yeah, they're better. <laughs> <laughs> One time I said we're batting a hundred, but I realized it should have been batting a thousand. Yeah. They're like, that's not very good. <laughs> it's not good at all, but it's fine. It's fine. But I learned, right? So engaging is being able to tap into the kinds of questions that you want to ask. The power is not always in the answers, but the questions. And so just being this curious person that inquires um, and engaging around how we inquire and get to know who people are mm -hmm. and what they're about in the world. So it's a great business strategy, but it also makes life a lot more colorful and fun. A quick break from this podcast to recommend another podcast that you have to check out. It's called The Product Boss. It's hosted by Jacqueline and Mina. It's part of the HubSpot podcast network. If you have a physical product, this podcast is hyper tailored to you. It's going to help you take your business to the next level. In a recent episode, for example, they spoke about the power of TikTok for product businesses and how to use it to drive sales. And as somebody who is a little new to TikTok, I really learned some great tips for creating content that actually converts viewers into customers. They have a workshop style format that makes it really easy to follow along to take your business to the next level. So if you sell physical products, subscribe to The Product Boss wherever you get your podcast to unlock social media, marketing, and business strategies that create your dream business and then your dream life. Two things that stand out to me. Number one, that is the complete opposite of how 99% of people run their lives right now. And, and I think it's gotten worse for a variety of different reasons, which I, I'm very curious about how to recover from the past three years. And then number two, it seems like even with this love framework, there's so many steps before going out into the world and actually connecting and communicating with someone else. And even when you do go, because there's, there's literally three steps before you even are in a place of being able to ask the right questions. We're not even, we're not even at the point where you're imposing your opinion on someone else because that's never the end goal. But that seems like what happens is instead of doing all this self-work first and then asking questions that are meaningful to get the information you need and letting wisdom in, it's like we skip the first three steps and then the communication piece is just like yelling at each other. Yes. And that's the world in 2023. So this is like, this is 
sort of getting people to understand how to actually work on themselves and then communicate with each other in a more empathetic sort of receiving way as opposed to an imposing way. Yes. And I don't know if it's the, the word work on or, on yourself. It's really- Understand yourself? It, not even understand. I think it's more practicing being present so that you're accurately you're accurately viewing the world um, so that when you engage, mm. you're, you're engaging in a way that's strategic and sharp. So one of the things, I, I talk to a lot of senior leaders and um, executives in the C-suite and the federal government and senior executive service members, and they say that sometimes when employees open their mouths, they accomplish one thing. They reveal their ignorance of the yeah. complexity. Right. And so a lot of people, when they speak, they're speaking and revealing their ignorance. They're revealing two things. One, their ignorance or an extreme level of self-centeredness. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so our listening and observing is a pause to make us smarter and more intentional and more deliberate when we connect. And so a lot of people, I don't know if you ever had a conversation with someone. Right. And they you're, you might want to tell a story about where you're from. And you mentioned something. Let's just say you mentioned that you got an Apple computer. And that's not a part of the story. You just wanted to talk about Florida, right? Yeah. But that person just keys in on the Apple computer. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're on this long conversation that you didn't want to have about, you know, Apple versus, yeah. <laughs> versus Microsoft or something. But it's because it was important to them. And so they just were listening to you for some way that they can plug in. Or some it's way that they can to help respond as opposed to. Yeah. Or just listening to what's relevant to me. What, yeah. what, 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 even listening to see where I can help. That's not listening. It's like, let me take in and, and observe why this conversation is important to the other person. Let me observe in an organization. What are the words that people are using over and over again that give me some clues about values, mm -hmm. right? Um, I can usually talk to someone for five minutes and I could tell you what's most important to them. And then you can kind of begin to key in and have conversations about what's most important. It's also great to negotiate and influence. I was, I was right. going to say like, but so why do you think that we, and the reason, the reason why I said work on yourself yeah. is only because I find that myself included, we're so far from this framework. So in my mind, it seems like work because I have to get there. That's, that's really it. But you're right. It's not really about working on yourself at all. But why do you think that we've gotten to the point where, and and I'm I'm saying a lot of stuff about we we're so far from this. The past three years have been very bad. Where do you think we are? Do you think that am I correct in my assumptions that we're like completely off the rails in terms of how we communicate, how we how we connect with like our fellow human, how we are present? Is this like we're in the worst spot you've ever seen in your entire career? I, I think it's all of it. I think we're in the worst. We're in the best. Okay. <laughs> we're somewhere in between. It depends on who you talk to and it depends on how well we're listening, what we're observing, yeah. um, how we are, the perspective we're seeing, our values and how we're connecting. So so here's what I think is going. We are dis I, I do feel like people are disconnected. I think that we've come by this honestly. We have such... Uh, movements and technology. We have AI, we have so many amazing and wonderful things. And the condition of humanity is transforming, right? The way that we connect with each other, the way that we talk, everything's very different. I don't know about you. This is a sweeping generalization, but mm -hmm. some people, I have teenagers and I, well, they're, I have one teenager, one, one, child that's 23. Um, <laughs> but this, you know, on the phone and the, the connection just feels different, right? From my view, from my perspective, there's different perspectives. And so 
Um, one of the things that I think that we have to do to reconnect is just to be aware what we're doing. And, and you mentioned the word we're so far. Um, you can impact the love system today, right in this moment. Literally, all you have to do is stop. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stop talking. You know, if someone is telling you something that threatens your ideology or threatens your thoughts, you don't have to be anxious and offended. Just pause. You can listen. You're okay. Right. You can observe what's this interaction about? Why am I here? What are we actually trying to do here? And you can align with your values and engage in such a way that leads both people or an entire organization to more meaningful goals and something that feels better and more beautiful than the nightmare of just everyone just kind of yelling at each other yeah. and just trying to get their opinions across. Um, so this is a system that you can literally do at the second, at the moment. You just have to pause listen, look up as opposed to looking down for just a few moments. Um, remember your values and engage. And it's a habit. It's habits. You do this every day. You wake up. I listen to the birds. <laughs> even, <laughs> even this morning when you, when you emailed morning. me this morning, you're talking yeah. about, you know, standing on the balcony, looking over the beach. There's a wedding going on in the yes. distance. It's like a very clear visual. And it's like this obviously very beautiful moment. Yes. And that's what... You know, to me, I love business. I love money. I think, you know, it makes the world go around. I love being strategic. Mm -hmm. I love winning. You know, I, I've got, I'm a type A. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm not as fluffy as maybe the book. The book is not as fluffy as it may sound. It's very strategic and very practical because remember I talked about those little things that matter. Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of cracked the code to those little things that may not get measured and may not seem as provocative, but there are deep, there's deep wisdom and deep benefits right to being able to live a life where you are listening observing connecting with your values and engaging i think our biggest threat is that we forget what's important on a regular basis we just get caught up in the world mm -hmm. streaming you know looking at social media and we just get like completely it's like our brains are hijacked a thousand percent yeah a, a thousand percent i'm i'm curious about i'm curious about how you feel this strategy um can help with clarity of thought because it's almost sounds like you're saying you made a point when you describe it, maybe to some people, it sounds like it's very like high level. But when I look at this, it seems like the, the, the power of this thought process and, and view on the world and perspective is like you're slowing down so that you can speed up. Absolutely. It's also a brain hack. You want to hear about that? Scott? Yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> no, I'm very, I, I yes. love, I love all of this and I want to, now I have to like study it a little bit more and like try and, and really like take a second before, because even as a, as a podcaster, I think listening is like a forte of mine because I always listen and I, and I mean, half of, half of my job, half of my job, hundred percent of my job is to make sure that I'm talking about things that are meaningful to you. That's very important to me. But even myself, I find like in day to day, sometimes you just listen to jeopardize, you know, hijack the conversation, listen to respond. It's like this horrible, I don't even know where it came from, that if I feel like it's like over COVID, over isolation, over lack of real human connection. And the only interaction that people had for two years was Zoom calls about business that kills the ability to be an empathetic human being. And we have to like relearn that ability, but life doesn't stop, work doesn't stop, and nobody's taking the time to relearn how to be a good human that they were basically before COVID. 
Yes. And, you know, I don't know if we have to see it as a chronic condition. I think we can see it as a as a blip that can be fixed and corrected in mm-hmm. a day, in, 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 in a, a day, second. in a second. Yeah. Yes. And then that second turns into minutes, into full days, into weeks, into, and then you're feeling happier, you're feeling more connected. And as a side benefit, you're more strategic, more yeah. successful, making more money, like that whole kind of flow you know, rolling with the homies. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, whole... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I took my moment there. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, what is this? Yeah. What is this? This brain hack. This, this, this. Yes, let me tell you about the, yeah. the brain hack and the clarity of thought. So, we've heard if you've done some work on emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. there is the thing that's called the amygdala hijack, right? So, it's the fight or flight response. So, when you are feeling anxious, mm-hmm. when you are feeling overly um, stimulated, your amygdala, right, hijacks your frontal cortex. So your frontal cortex in your brain is responsible for clarity of thought, for goal setting. And so one of the ways to help your brain not trigger, back in the day, we were afraid of lions and tigers and bears. Mm -hmm. Oh my, right? (laughs) Um, That was really important because we don't want someone to think and strategize. We don't want to listen and observe and do values and then engage with the lion. You need to just run. So that's turned into policies and relationships and issues in the workplace. And so the amygdala hijacks the frontal cortex, which means you cannot think clearly. So what's happening is that the majority of people, if you're not doing some version of the system, you're thinking irrationally. Mm-hmm. And you're probably putting yourself under more stress than you need to, right? Um, and making poor choices. So if you stop and listen, observe value, align with your values and engage, you also keep the part of your brain responsible for goal setting, clarity of thought online. Mm, okay. So the pausing is important to make sure that we're kind of working with the context of our neuroscience, right, of, of, yeah. our, of our biology. So being able to just pause and do that allows us to access a different level of clarity. And that is really critical because I think a lot of us just don't feel clear. We actually feel a little fuzzy. I don't know about Definitely. you, right? Yeah. It's like, what's going on? Well, yeah. when a day gets away from you, right? So you always go into a day with the best intentions and you mm-hmm. feel clear. And then, you know, you're going into meetings and then stressful emails and stressful news. And then all of a sudden, it's very hard to have great meetings, great outcomes, great conversations. The words don't come as easily, as quickly as they did when you were, you know, happy and and there was no stress in your life. So all of a sudden your whole performance starts to degrade. And it and I don't think people really have a strategy when they're in this fight or flight mode in work to really just bring themselves back to baseline so that yeah, there was some stressful event. Got yelled at, client, boss, whatever, missed a deadline, whatever it is. But that can't jeopardize the next six hours of your day. And it definitely shouldn't jeopardize your home life, too, with your family, your spouse, kids, friends, whatever it is. But I think that because and I don't think this is just a pure post-COVID thing, like the, the level of stress that we have right now compounded with the fact that we're always distracted in social media and whatnot keeps us from having any meaningful moment to really reset. Because even if you have a stressful morning at work and then you go on lunch, on lunch, you're not just with yourself. You're not just with peers. You're on your phone, going through Twitter, whatever, anger, hate, politics, whatever it is that's happening on social media. So like your your brain is always like in overdrive, nonstop. 
Yes. And I, I want to key in on what it means to come back to basics as yeah. it relates to the model. So the V is about value. So coming back to basics is aligning with your values. Uh, really quick story. Um, I was doing a keynote and as I was going up to the keynote, someone in the audience handed me their trash to throw away. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I also have had an experience, same situation, uh, high level place where someone started telling me all the issues in the bathroom and I was dressed all up in a suit. I was like, you know, and I, we, like we, we can thing. infer. Yeah, absolutely. They thought that I was it's the cleaning person. It was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, but here's what this love system does. Um, it, it was awful for me, but I didn't go into revenge. How dare you could do that? I actually went on stage and I started a talk with a, what it looks like to, what forgiveness looks like and what uplifting people. And this person, of course, as I looked into the audience, they were a very high level person sitting in the front. They were turning completely red and I could tell that they were embarrassed. Um, but I talked about like the impact that we have on each other and our choices. And what was interesting about it is this person ended up being a spearhead for all of these like diversity efforts. And I had a conversation with this person after and, and it was a very moving conversation. And there was an apology that, that mm -hmm. was given to me. Um, but I think a lot of people, so even when I tell the story, it's enraging. And with the love system, I observe my values are when someone's in my presence, I hope that they feel uplifted or the same, but not diminished in any way. I actually got that from Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, Esther and Jerry mm -hmm. Hicks, for those of you that, that might be familiar with that work. But um, I love the idea of, of, of treating people well. So here's the clincher. Oh, here's the, the thing. Yeah. It's do I get to lay that value down if I feel justified with someone else's poor behavior? So do I, do I get to, can I leave someone not diminished in any way, even if they're diminishing me? That's what's hard, right? So the love system allows you to stop and make choices that are constantly aligned with your values because other people don't have the power to change who I am. So my authenticity is mm -hmm. my values. And so your rudeness doesn't get to determine how I'm going to live my day and my values of goodness to you. And when you deal with a situation, because I can only imagine if anything, even uh, <laughs> even a... a Anything that happened to me going up on stage, even if it wasn't as as serious as that, that would have thrown off an entire speech. I wouldn't have been able to continue or I would have been flustered the whole speech right on stage. So when you implement this system, you find that in that moment, you were able to like sort of collect yourself, use this system to again, bring yourself back to where you need to be to deliver an incredible keynote. And that's really, this is a system that you rely on for something like that. Yeah. So I have the love Because I'm just trying to think of you in that moment. Like I'm trying yes. to like, like go through how I would be thinking. And I know that the, it would not have been good. Yes. I almost was in tears to tell you the yeah, truth. It, no was doubt. That, it was that big of a deal. But let me tell you how the love system works. So part of the strategy is, I call it the shift. Yeah. So, so kind of, I, I have, I'm trained to monitor what's happening in my mind. And so- I was able to quickly go from, I can't believe this happened. What the heck? You know, like anger. Yeah. And I was to, it's okay. This is an opportunity for you to, to be of service. You're okay. You're, you don't need to have ego right now. You can connect with this audience. These are just people. We're all 
on the on a journey of improvement and trying to get better. I even thought about my own mistakes I've made in the past in life. And so I literally start to have a different voice, inner mm-hmm. critic, inner voice in my head, which puts me in the mind frame to do a better job. And then I got up on the stage. I observed myself. I said, you know, can I stand tall? Yeah. Can I look out in the audience? Um, and my value is that I just want to be the best that I can for the moment with whatever I have. So that kind of gets the jitters down. And then I did it and engaged. And it was probably one of my best talks. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very curious. I, I haven't looked at any of these questions yet at all. We've been chatting, which has been amazing. But I, I, I want to actually bring out some stuff that I okay. purposefully wrote down because I think it would really help frame it for the audience as well. I'm very curious, um, in, in your career, where did, this, where did this understanding of conscious connection come from? How did this, how, like, because obviously this framework, it makes tons of sense now. But looking back, what were those key things that sort of were light bulb moments for you in your career that led you to have the clarity of thought to be able to put this system together? So, you know, those moments in business where you have to really figure out your value proposition. So you have a value proposition, but then as things go on, you're like, wait, there's another value proposition. You know, that's, that's a normal journey. So for me, you know, the, the, the key question was how do you duplicate yourself? So what have you learned and what do you do? And so, um, I started to think what makes these experiences with clients so successful And it was all about the connection. That's the thing that's very difficult to duplicate. I could hire a bunch of people. I could do whatever, but they were kind of, even their emails, good afternoon, sir. You know, uh, I, you know, everybody is so formalized and I even watch people on meetings with me and it's great. You want to be professional, but there is that missing. The question is like, what's the magic in a company or what's the, and so I said, it's the connection. So I actually started observing um, and asking questions. So that was my listening. Mm -hmm. I just would ask questions all of my clients to, I would, you know, I interviewed a lot of very wealthy, high level people. Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home, your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything, and your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock, fingerprint, tap, I'm inside. And honestly, I also feel way safer. It's got this awesome built-in camera. So whether it's a package delivery or late night Uber order, I see exactly who's there right from my phone. There are no more mystery knocks. And the best part, this thing was such a breeze to set up. There's no wires. There's no drilling. uh, There's also no monthly subscription fees. So if you are done fumbling with your keys, because I definitely am, search for Eufy Video Lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Your front door, your sanity. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work, and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And I started to actually just keep a journal on like, what are those things that matter? And so as I read, I told you all the books that yeah. I've read, I started finding this common thread. Mm-hmm. You know, like Nelson Mandela, you read this, I've read A Long Walk to Freedom and it's, you know, he's done these amazing things. But if you delve into that book, he really, it's so simple. He's like, what I first started to do was to listen to the other people on the team, yeah. you know, and, and he even has stories about how he used to observe people in Africa and what they would do in their meetings and that how they would listen and interact with each other. And so all throughout the book, like his success is contingent upon the way that he was able to connect to what was important, the way he was able to listen to people, the way that he was able to observe the needs of people, and then how he engaged with the world, right? So if you take any leader, there's something in those four things that is a common theme across everything. Emotional intelligence, systems thinking, critical thinking. It requires you to do four basic things. Um, So in my career, it's been, you know, really keying into what is, I like to look at what are those little things that make the biggest difference? And so that is how we came to the power of conscious connection. Any any founder suffers from what you were suffering from, but many of them don't know how to actually replicate themselves and they don't have the ability to maybe tie all those different threads together and find a way to replicate them. So they end up hiring someone and hopefully they find a a COO or somebody that can sort of manage for them. If you were going to give advice to a founder on how to replicate their own style, where would you tell them to start? So I would start with love, right? (laughs) Which would be begin to listen to the feedback that they're getting. Yeah. I would say observe themselves. What are the very specific decisions that they make? And they could probably make the way that they interact and communicate with people if they've been successful with that into a model, yeah. right, that people can use. So at Kusai, we actually call our interaction with clients a warm, competent hug. Not a real hug, but it's a warm, yeah. competent hug. So everybody has a system as to what's important in our values. And so they actually apply that. And they get measured. We, we have something, which I, I'm, I'm going to let this, this cat at the bag. I'll probably write my second book on this. But we have something called the GAD factor, G-A-D. My okay. mom came up with this, but it's, <laughs> it's great. So GAD, it's the art of giving a damn, right? Oh, that's good. <laughs> so you get a GAD score, right? Yeah. You'll get a GAD score, Kusai. So it's like, how much do you really care? And so that's big in our company and what mm-hmm. we do. Um, so I think with founders, begin to... Uh, Figure out what's really important to you. What are the pieces of the system of your organization that make the, the biggest difference? Mm-hmm. Observe how you imp- implement those and observe how other people are receiving that implementation. Like, are people aligned with the values or are you just kind of 
at a Zoom meeting just giving reports, yeah. right? Um, and then how are you engaging with your team? Are you just engaging on, you know, telling people what the numbers are and where you want to go? Or are you doing something that's engaging them in, in a different kind of connection or experience with, with, with the company. So it starts with just a little bit of strategizing and mm -hmm. pausing. And from there, create a model, just like you created your, your product, yeah. create a product for how you're going to run your culture and your system. Do you get any pushback? Like what are some of the critiques that people would give you about this system? Cause it seems, it seems like a very solid system, but I'm sure that people have critiques about this is, I don't feel like it's working for me or it doesn't work for my team, or I've tried the system and I feel like it's, it's, it's not benefiting my day to day. I don't know. I'm sure you've heard something. Yeah. So it's funny. I have a story in the book about a CEO that said, I've been doing this love system and I'm still losing people and yeah. I don't know what else, what else to do. And I tell him that the answer is definitely going back to listen, observe, value and engage. So this particular CEO, um, he started just putting a bunch of ping pong tables and he was doing all <laughs> this like fun yeah. stuff. And he didn't do the right listening and observing. He skipped the first two steps because the ping pong table and all of these lunches and I don't know if any of you remember on Zoom, people don't really want to go to a million lunches. It's still work, right? No, they don't. <laughs> so I asked him a very simple question. Did you ask people are you doing very important exit interviews? Are you yeah. are you asking people, you know, why they're leaving? What's going on? Um, are you observing the behaviors of your teams and your managers? And have you talked at every single meeting about what's valuable in the company and allowed them to kind of drive those changes? And it was interesting, although he said he was using the love system, when I quizzed him on the answers that the love system will bring you, he had none of them, right? Interesting. So so we still, we think we're listening. And this is why it goes beyond just working on ourselves. It's yeah. not just about getting up and listening to the birds, which is beautiful. I recommend it. <laughs> um, and it's not just about observing ourselves and kind of saying like, yes, I make good decisions sometimes or I don't. It's no, really do it. You know, really look up. Lean into it. <laughs> really lean into it. And so if you are ever having... Two things I just want to say about this. If you're ever not having success with this, it's because, A, I guarantee you, you're not actually doing it. You're doing what you think you should do as mm -hmm. opposed to what the listening observing is giving you. And two, um, the question I'd ask to anyone that has is what's the alternative not to listen, not to look up, to misalign with your values and not to engage. So it's kind of a system where there's nothing to really, the alternative of yeah. not doing it is not going to get you. Anywhere. anywhere at all. No, of course. <laughs> right. No, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if that's the case, you might as well just go get in the bed and eat a brownie and watch Netflix. <laughs> that's not a bad, <laughs> not it's a not bad, a bad thing, not but a like bad not thing. for work. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that you've also mentioned is why a lot of, I thought this was very interesting. A lot of our interactions on a day to day, they feel fake and rehearsed. Why is that? So I, it's one of my favorite parts of the book because I, I met a woman one time that she had just such a bad attitude and Everyone in the organization knew it. And I had a chance to talk to her and I discovered that she was taking care of a sick parent. She had um, a special needs child. I mean, there's all these different things going mm -hmm. on with, with her. And this person was probably one of the most kind, loving, um, beautiful people I'd ever met. Yet her attitude and her face and her stress was what she presented the world with. And so that was fake. Mm -hmm. Right. The the negativity is often fake. People that are negative and complaining and seemingly we'll say the word jerk. Yeah. They're often hiding pain. So they're being they're actually being the, the most fake. A lot of people think that those people that are direct and rude, that they're real. But those people tend to be 
less real because they are masking things that are going on in their lives and they don't have skills to manage and deal with their own emotions. And so we are all walking through the world trying to deal with our lives and, Mm -hmm. and our anxieties and our disappointments and our, you know, whatever is going on. And so, but we, we, we are making decisions and talking to people and interacting with people based on that pain, not based on who we really are. So this is why the value piece, the V and love is so important because it's really getting in touch with like, what is it really important to you? And asking yourself every day, did I align today with choices that are really important to me? Um, I see parents that do this all the time. You know, you have children and, you know, is it that you really love them and what's what's best for them? Are you trying to fulfill something you didn't do in your own life Mm -hmm. or trying to make up for your own failures? Like that's, that's not aligned with that value of saying, I just want to love them and, and have what's best for them. You really want what's best for you. So it's like, you might have to deal with that and make some different decisions. Today we have a very special sponsor for today's episode foundation source they are all about helping people and companies make the world a better place through giving they are the biggest name out there when it comes to managing foundations and charitable donations through foundations what's great about foundation source is they literally know everything there is to know about charity about giving about how to do it right about the benefits that come with it they use incredible technology to make giving easier for foundations, for individuals, for companies, and they've put together an incredible guide called the Guide to Tax Strategies for Private Foundations. It's packed with tons of tips for anybody that wants to make the most of their giving, especially when it comes to saving on taxes. This guide is a must read if you're into helping others and you want to do it smartly. They speak about the four main tax benefits associated with foundations, charitable causes, and the nuances of mastering something called the Form 990-PF. Very important if you are considering putting together a charitable plan. If you're focused on philanthropy, charity, this Christmas season, this holiday season, go to info.foundationsource.com slash xm-tax-benefits-p. P. That is info.foundationsource.com slash XM dash tax dash benefits dash P. That's where you're going to get your 2023 guide to tax strategies for private foundations. Can you, one, one thing that I wanted to just understand is, is this, because this is all about, I, when I first was trying to figure out how this impacted my day to day, I was about connecting not just with myself, but with other people as well. So I think post COVID people are more isolated than ever before. So how does this help you sort of get out of isolation in the social sense? What, how does this help you actually make connections with other people? Because again, a lot of the, 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 the LOV is, is observed. Like, I mean, you're listening, you're observing, you understand your values, but then you're still potentially isolated. So how do we fix that? Yes. So I would, Leverage and take advantage of isolation if, if you're in a situation where you feel like there's there's not, you know, a lot of people that you're physically connecting with on a regular yeah. basis. And what I mean by that is, you know, you may be in a time in your life, and I think a lot of us were during COVID, where um, something is telling you to disengage a little bit, right? And so when you disengage, though, spend your time reflecting, listening, observing what's going around you, and even asking yourself, um, 
is there something going on with me that's causing me not to want to connect with other people? Interesting. Right? Because that's that's where you start to get these answers. I find a lot of people that are experiencing loneliness and isolation it's not that they're on an island somewhere and they can't connect with people, mm-hmm. but there's we've gotten either into the habit of being alone or it's just easier. You know, when you if you don't feel comfortable in your own skin or even you're being fake and yeah. rehearse and you're masking a lot of things, it's harder to connect. You just don't feel like it. It's work. Yeah. Right. But when you get into a space where you're like, you know, I don't need approval from people. I I can be me and be okay. I can be imperfect. I can just be. Um, you have more motivation to connect or let's take that a little further. I'm connecting to help other people, right? So That's you feel a motivator. A now. Yeah. You feel a purpose. And so, but when you're kind of, when it's all about isolation is it's all about me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just focused on me. What are people thinking about me? You know, I want to turn my camera off on zoom because yeah. I don't want anyone to see my stuff. Right. So it's, it's all the self-centeredness and the ego that's, that's getting us the listening, observing, value, engaging. It's where we take away the judgment mm-hmm. and you're actually just making a commitment to be in the world. So that's yeah. really, so isolation, it, it's almost like a, a signal. It's a signal that something has to change and a signal that we have to adopt this framework. And, and, and basically what, what you're saying is if you adopt this framework day in, day out, and you practice this actively, then it starts to become part of your personality. It starts to become part of your persona. So it's not like day one, this will fix everything and this will fix all your anxieties. But this is like practice day in, day out, every single interaction you get several times a day. And then eventually you look at yourself in a month, two months, three months from now. And this becomes second nature, obviously. But then also, you I, I don't know if, if this is your experience when you sort of teach this over to people, do people stop having those feelings of stress, of anxiety, of of lack of alignment with who they really are? Yes. Yeah, so one leader said to me that he feels like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely wild. Yeah. Because he started really observing and looking yeah. at things. And he said that he actually have... I, there, there's some amazing things and some of which I'm not able to share, but he, you know, he was saying that he actually created this real big innovation because he was watching a connection between a couple of things or he'll notice really small things. Like he had it and he realized that one of his top leaders was probably going to leave, but it's because he was observing like a small behavior. Um, and so, yes, it's a practice that you do on a regular basis. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm really smart or I know a lot of things. Um, you know, that's like a, a secret thing. I notice when I'm in a meeting, sometimes yeah. people sit, think that you know, they'll, they'll say, well, you're really smart. And I'm like, I, I'm, I just repeated what they said or I just listened. And so a lot of people are so insecure about what they know and what they're doing. So with this process, you just find yourself, not only are you smart, but you feel confident about yeah. your decisions and you feel clear because you've had an opportunity to really make connections. So it sort of augments, like if you, if you want to, if you want to observe in a very tactical business sense, yes, fine. But if you want to show up and turn your camera on, on zoom and trust that, you know what you're talking about yes. also fine. So it, it checks like different boxes in terms of like what you're trying to work on in your own life and yes. what you feel like you're, I don't know if it's you're feeling like you're lacking, but maybe it could be. Yeah. I'll just say one more thing about the isolation. Um, one of the things that I think we do, and it kind of reminds me of, you know, exercise and eating well at times mm-hmm. where we, we just try to do too much. Right. And so this experience, if you've been isolated for a while and you just are feeling happy about it, some people are happy being a little isolated and you're like, I don't feel like getting, you know, say to yourself, you know, I'm going to set a timer 
and sit down, let's say if you have children, for 15 minutes and just listen to my grandmother talk yeah. to me or to my children, or I'm going to go into the workplace and uh, or make a call to someone. And I'm going to tell them, can we just touch base for five minutes? And I'm going to come up with two questions, right? That I want to explore with this person. Here's the, the deal is to keep the timer, only do five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of isolation, it doesn't mean that you have to start throwing parties. It doesn't mean that you have to sh- start going into the work, into work live seven yeah. days a week when you're only supposed to go one. It just means maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes where you're just going to make a commitment to listen, observe, you know, think a little bit about your values and you'll just, you'll take it in. It could be 15, it could be five, right? So yeah. there's something in the book called the fast 15, yeah. which so many things can be accomplished. Amazing things in 15 minutes. Um, what would be the if if what would be the the one thing that you hope people take away from this book that may not be as obvious? So, although the book has a lot of strategic things, and I know we all what's in it for me, right? Mm-hmm. There's this amazing experience of just we we want to read something and we want to get something from it. I I hope that we will value feeling good and value happiness. Like the daily experience mm-hmm. of waking up in the morning and being able to ask the question, what is this all for? Like, what are we, what are we trying to do here, right? Together, collectively, as individuals. Um, we, are this human be- we are these human beings walking on this earth and we're doing business. We have a lot of fun things to focus on, right? There's like a business is fun. Um, hopefully. Hopefully, it's yeah. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to. It, it can be, right? Um so I just hope that people will focus on how can I create magical moments for myself in a day? Like how can I um, be in a situation where I'm just reveling in mm-hmm. the experience of life? The thing that makes me so sad is I talk to a lot of people that are retiring at the end and it's all the regrets, right? It's all of the stress you put yourself under. It's all of the anxiety that you had on a regular basis. And you can have the same circumstances that you have in your life right now exist but you can be experiencing them differently mm-hmm. if you're listening, observing, aligning with your values and engaging in these magical moments and magical connections like happiness and stress. Yeah. <laughs> can actually You exist. must you must also see that. So you see with people, it's very sad when somebody's gone their whole career yeah. and they're coming to that conclusion when they're whatever age. But also, I'm sure you see it a lot as as an executive coach. Like, I would be super curious to know out of all the C-suite that you deal with, how many of them are actually happy every single day? I I would, like, I mean, I don't think many, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I call it, there's there's something called, it, it, it's like a zombie mode. Yeah. And I've talked to some people where we have to be careful about how we're being, how we're training our brains. So in the workplace... And this is on purpose for businesses. Everybody has got the stakes have to be high, right? Because if the stakes are high, it makes us feel important as people and it pushes us and motivates us to do more. So when the stakes are high, though, people are under so much stress and anxiety that they are just in a habit of being stressed and anxious. So even when the stress and anxiety isn't necessarily real or there, they'll still be stressed. I mean, I talk to C-suite people, they get on the, and they're immediately like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. And then I talk to this person and I'll say, wait a minute, um, when did that happen? And how, how important is that relationship? And what does that have to do with anything that's 
that's important right now. But it's like, they're like, wow, I've been just talking about this for so long. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're in zombie mode. You're not really thinking and, and you're not in the moment. I, I know some people that are still stressing about a problem that happened two years ago that is no longer there. And they're still talking about it and still anxious. And that about it. I'm assuming if we go to the biology, that means you have this like constant fight or flight mode on. Yes, exactly. So then a, a, a marginal stress pops up in your life. And then all of a sudden that's amplified 10 X. Yes. Yes. It's, it's funny. I had a, a coaching client that was talking to me about their boss yeah. and they were talking about how much they dislike their boss. It was just like all this, all this stress. And so I gave them some suggestions, some communication strategies. I gave them the love system. Mm -hmm. And so they, their response to me was, you don't understand. This person is crazy. Nothing's going to work. And I said, that's great. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's great. And I said, if nothing's going to work, let's move on to your dreams and your hopes and something else. Because what you just said to me is that you're not open to it working and that you're addicted and want it not to work. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, and people even say, yes, I said those exact words to your boss. I said, you said those exact words I told you to say to your boss. That's when I know you're. And so it was interesting. I said, how about we just not talk about the boss at all? Let's talk about your goals. Let's talk about your dreams. Let's talk about what's important to you. And most of the time, I'm saying most just to be humble, but I, I want to say 100% of the time because I can't think of a time that this did not work, mm -hmm. where we shift to what's important and all of a sudden, I don't know, three months down the line after we're doing coaching, I'm like, well, how's it going with the boss? And they'll say, oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really heard much from like, it, it was almost like that whole issue that was plaguing. Yeah. I mean, I've had people that their hair falls out. They're like getting oh, therapy. Yeah, very I mean, physical reactions. Physical reactions. Yeah. And this person, by literally steering them into more listening, more observing, more, more alignment with values, um, they couldn't even really remember what the problem was with that particular boss like it Wild. just literally disappeared um and then ironically this this in this particular story the boss ended up leaving after it disappeared so they got promoted to that role so it, it just worked out and it was magic it was magical um like, yeah so um i'm very curious as well when you implement the system and people do listen observe understand their values how many of them stay in the position where they're at versus moving to something new? I will say that I also want to call the love system a fast track promoter. Yeah, I have no, <laughs> I'm, yes. as you're talking no through doubt. this, I'm no like, doubt. if that person removes the stress and the anxiety, they have a little bit more self-love and, and awareness and they follow the system, I could totally see them moving on to something. And there's also something a little more practical, right? So. In the book, I share about coaching all of the coaching clients that have worked in the love system get promoted. Like mm -hmm. it's just it's just a thing. And the reason is not necessarily because there's some kind of pixie dust, yeah. which there could be. I don't know. Um, but the reason oh, mine's, is mine's incredibly powerful. So. Yeah. But can you imagine at a, sitting in a board meeting, right, and listening to people? And, and let's just say you're not. Let's say you're you have a position that's not quite as high as you'd like. But you're really observing the words people are using over and over again. So maybe they use the word culture. Maybe they use the word data. I don't know. They're using words over and over again. So you start to integrate that into the words that you use. You yeah. start to prioritize those words. Then you start kind of understanding what people's challenges are. You understand what kind of makes them tick. You become this Sherlock Holmes-like observer. Yeah. And you start to have this mastery 
of awareness. So you will be the only person in the company, everybody else that's not doing the love system, they're in their own minds. They're, they're thinking about dinner. You know, some people are like, my shoes are too tight. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever they're thinking about. Yeah. Uh, and you're completely present. You're not thinking about email, your phone's put away, you're listening to what everyone's saying, using that knowledge for strategy, and all of a sudden you're at your next meeting and you make a connection. Oh, so-and-so just made that comment mm -hmm. at the last meeting. You're present, you're aware. All of a sudden, you just know more. You're so connected to not just the practical things in the organization, but you're connected to the people. Yeah. And so eventually you just become that choice right? Because of how you're experiencing and how you're showing up. Really critical. I love that. Um, yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we covered, that you covered in the book that we didn't go into that you really, really wanted to yeah, so, highlight? So what I want to share about the book, this book was a very interesting journey for me. Um, was this your first book? It's my first book. Congratulations. It's my first book. Thank you so much. That's a, that's a complex first book. It's a complex first yeah. book. And I'm very vulnerable in the book because I, I want the book to be a conscious connection between myself and the reader. And so the book is filled with stories and my own personal experiences, as well as the stories and experiences of my clients, in mm -hmm. which I've definitely, uh, to protect their identity, have course, changed yeah, around yeah. many things. But um, I just really hope the book is not your normal self-help book. I've read a lot of those. So it's not this prescriptive, you know, list of things to do. It's a journey and a connection. So for those of you that get the book is to read it and just while you're reading it, just kind of observe and and be peaceful because I try to create the book as an experience within itself as mm -hmm. I unpack the love system. Um, and I am hoping, I'm a leadership strategist, so uh, it, I, I was on the fence of how fluffy do you want to go? But I I said, you know- we I think you, I think you, I mean- from from just this conversation, it was it was I read I read the I read the PDF. I think it's it, when is it actually out? It's coming out the end of October. Okay, so I've read the PDF. I wasn't sure if there's a hard copy actually yes, out yet, but it, it, you did a very good job. Thank you. You did a very Thank very you. good job. And I, one thing I'm so excited about is that there's uh, some senior leaders from the Department of Defense actually gave just yeah. rave reviews for the book, which is great because I think um, even in our really complex tech systems, health systems, mm -hmm. finance systems, I hope that people can find a way for these this to resonate and to see it um, as, as a way to not only uplift the heart and humanity, but as a way to kind of rethink how we're connecting with each other in the workplace. I love that. So. Um, when it comes out end of October, you said? Yes. Okay. So where can people go to get it? I'm assuming the Amazons and all that, Yes. but also where can people connect with you? Yes. So uh, you can connect with me by going to our website, kusaitraining.com, K-U-S-I-Training.com. You also can connect with me on LinkedIn and also uh, Instagram at Talia Fox Speaks. Perfect. Which has some personal stuff there, but that would be great to connect with you on that. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap up, a couple last questions. Um, I want to just really unpack, uh, it, you know, you've gone through an incredible career and obviously many seasons to your career. Um, what would be one lesson that you would tell your younger self? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. I think you'd know I would love that question. Um, I've actually done the exercise of writing a letter to my younger self. Really? So okay, so you're like yeah. prepped. Like I'm you're good. I'm prepped for this. I'm prepped for this. Um, I would tell my younger self to um, just to take risks and to enjoy the moment, right? Like nothing bad lasts forever, nothing good lasts forever. So I, I really, particularly with COVID and everything going on in the world, I really have been more connected to what's happening in the day, what's happening in the moment. Um, 
And so I would tell my younger self to just continue to to do that. And then it's, it really works out. It's amazing how, uh, you know, even if it feels like it's not working out, it's working out. Agreed. A hundred percent. Yes. I really believe that. So. And then last thing, uh, what does success mean to you? I love it. So success, uh, this sitting here with someone like you, I can just see your connection and your greatness. Like I feel <laughs> having these kinds of conversations feels like success. Um, but for me, success looks like being able to be present in the world, in the moment, with the absence of distraction of all of the worries and fears of the future, right? Um, so I'll just share this one thing. I know what it feels like to be broke, <laughs> and I know what it feels like to be not broke, yeah. right? Um, and have a lot, right? Yeah. Have a lot and have a little. And so one thing that I notice is the difference, right? The big difference is that the absence of worry in your mind is the difference. And so it opens up space to contemplate and think about new things. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I go on trips like all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to be on that trip, experience that trip without having to um, be fearful about the future. And so when you have the absence of fear and when your brain is so content to where it can key in to what's happening to you and for you in the moment... To me, that's what success feels like. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.